Well, on Sunday, February 24th, we had a great service at CIL, and I felt good about my sermon, but we forgot to record. Actually, it's not that we forgot, but we had a technological uh, meltdown. So I'm going to try something. I'm going to re-preach my sermon just right here from my office. It's not live uh, with a, a, the congregation, but it's the same notes, same message. And let's see how this goes. Um, my thought is at least the content and the scripture will be available for those who miss service. Um, and even though it may not have some of the dynamics, the, the Word of God is still powerful. And so I hope this sermon blesses you. We're going to be uh, looking at the scripture. The main scripture today is Genesis 45, verse 3 through 11. So if you want to get your Bibles out, Genesis 45, verse 3 through 11. I won't read it now, but we'll be referring to this throughout uh, the, today's sermon. So I love this little game that this scenario that I've done with a lot of my friends and my family, it, it goes like this. If there was a movie about your life, who would play you in the movie? And I have done this a lot, so I would like to think that a young Dean Kane. You may not remember him, but you can go to Google right now. Google a young Dean Kane because back in the 90s he played... Superman on the Fox remix or remake of uh, the Superman show. And so that's what I'm imagining. Now my kids, they imagine someone completely different. Kevin James. Yes, the mall cop himself. And if you Google Kevin James, you may see a lot of common characteristics. I think my kids would rather me be a mall cop, than a pastor anyway. They love this guy, and they love that goofy part of him. We're inspired by movies a lot more than we are facts. I love watching movies, and I would rather watch a good movie than to sit around on a Friday night and do something like analyze statistics. Here's why we like movies. All good stories have common characteristics. You need a likable character. And I hope... You're a likable person. I hope I'm a likable person. You need an obstacle or conflict. And you need that likable character to overcome the obstacle, to overcome the challenges. So I want to remind you of this today. You are right in the middle of your story. Your story is unfolding. And it would not be interesting if you did not have an obstacle to overcome. No story in the Bible gives us more inspiration about perseverance, faith, God's sovereignty, than that of Joseph. And today's text will be in Genesis 45, and it's kind of at the climax or a really defining moment of Joseph's story. And so I don't have time to go over all the details. A lot of Genesis is about Joseph's life. But he was not uncommon to other people in the Canaanite region. He was sold into slavery, and he had to serve at a, an Egyptian household. His own brothers are the ones who sold him. That part of the story is not as unusual as we may have thought when we first read this story. But there as a servant, as one who was in forced slavery, with the help of God, Joseph prospered. 
He was soon in charge of all aspects of the houses and the fields of his master. But unfortunately, Potiphar's wife, she pursued this handsome slave, Joseph, and he, when he resisted that, he was falsely accused and he was put into prison. Despite this reversal, this really difficult um, challenge in his life, God blessed Joseph right there in the middle of prison. He was soon entrusted with uh, the whole prison. Uh, he became known as someone who interpreted dreams. During a national crisis, God enabled him to explain Pharaoh's dream, which foretold years of, of uh, famine that was coming. So Pharaoh put him in charge, and he went from being a slave to a prisoner to the number two person in charge of the most powerful kingdom in the world. You may have heard that story before, but I just wanted to remind you of that before we get into today's scripture. Because now here we are in Genesis chapter 45, starting with verse 3, and it's when the powerful Joseph, the one who has all types of political power and earthly power and the second most um, important person in the kingdom of Egypt, meets the very same brothers who had put him and, and, and put him in the pit and sold him into slavery. Here it is in verse 3 of Genesis chapter 45. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But they could not answer him because they were terrified in his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Please, come near me. And they came near. I am Joseph, your brother, he said, the one you sold into, to, uh, you sold into Egypt. Verse 5, and now don't be grieved or angry with yourselves for selling me here. And here's a key phrase, if you're looking in your Bibles right now, or if you're listening, pay attention to, to this part. Because God sent me ahead of you to preserve life. For the famine, verse 6, has been in the land these two years, and there will be five more years with plowing, without plowing or harvesting. So the term, sent me ahead, this is the title of this sermon, and this is a, the term we're going to kind of work around. What does it mean to be sent ahead in the context of this message? When you're sent ahead, you're sent to an unfamiliar place. And I want you to think about some unfamiliar places in your life that you have been sent to before, or maybe you're in the middle of that unfamiliar place. Sometimes it's something very concrete that we could easily point to. A new job, new city, new church, new relationship. At other times, this unfamiliar place could be something abstract, a concept. Maybe it's a new experience, a new cultural concept, a new theological understanding, a new ideology. Any new environment we have can feel like an unfamiliar place. And often God sends us to unfamiliar places. And it's in those places that we have great challenges to our faith. Now let me just say something and make a point of clarification here. I do believe decisions are made best in the community. So none of us are smart enough, wise enough, will live long enough to make all of these decisions by ourselves. We either consult our spouse, our family, 
uh, our, our church community. But often when groups of people make changes, whether it's a family that's moving, whether it's a church that's moving in a new spiritual direction, whether it's something like our nation, which is, which is making uh, kind of cultural, um, cultural decisions, um, a collective makes decisions within wisdom. But there has to be a first within the community. I mean, think about this. If a whole group is going to move one direction, someone has to step out first. A Moses, an Esther, a Daniel, a Paul. Here in our nation, I think of someone like an Abraham Lincoln, a Rosa Parks, a Neil Armstrong. Someone has to be first, the first to see things differently, the first to launch to what is known as the end of the world, the first to step out, the first to refuse, the first to take a risk, the first to move to the unfamiliar neighborhood. Sometimes we choose to be the first. Like we, we have this courageous response to our life and we're, we're the first ones to step out. But other times, it's like Joseph. The choice is made for us. And at the pinnacle of Joseph's story, he, he said in, in humility, God sent me ahead. Yeah, I didn't choose for this to happen. I did not want to be sent to a new land or to be in slavery or to be wrongly accused and in prison. But in the end... God's providence was at work, and God was sovereign. So I just want to encourage you, through this story, that if today you're in a non-preferred place, if you feel forgotten, if you feel misunderstood, if you feel marginalized, if you feel out of place, out of mind, and out of the flow of people you love the most, you just may be exactly where God wants you to be. You're a step ahead. You're a trailblazer. You're scouting out a new place for others to come. You're a forerunner. Your very life is like a machete carving out a new path for those you love. You're sent by God. God has sent you ahead. Now, I'm to the point in this message where I'm just now going to give the points. So keep listening. I mean, it was a long introduction, but there's some good stuff here. Why has God sent you ahead? If you're looking at you version or if you're jotting down some notes... He's done it for this reason. Number one, God sent me ahead to develop me. New territory, as I already mentioned, has to have a courageous forerunner. And I want to remind you today that God uses the wilderness. God uses the desert. God uses the silent years to make a woman, to make a man of God. I, I want to warn you about something. Beware... When recognition comes really fast. When recognition comes quickly. That's what we want after all. We want things to happen fast. We want recognition to come without any delay. We really need the reward today to stay motivated tomorrow. But God, who's developing our hearts, says not so fast. Endure. Persevere. Fight another day. See, we have this shared future. We, we, we often just see only, only what's happening in this life. And, and we're like in this competitive uh, type of mindset of trying to get ahead of the next person, comparing ourselves to the next person. But we forget that we have this shared future. And we, we've been looking the last few weeks through our, our New Testament reading in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 15. I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 
And listen to these words starting in verse 40. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting with verse 40. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the splendor of heavenly bodies is different from that of the earthly ones. Can I just give some parenthetical commentary here? I'm really glad that our heavenly bodies will be different than our earthly bodies. That's just me speaking as one person. Verse 41, there is a splendor of the sun, another of the moon, and another of the stars. In fact, one star differs from another star in splendor. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. Sown in corruption, raised in incorruption. Verse 43, sown in dishonor, raised in glory. Sown in weakness, raised in power. 44, sown a natural body, raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. See, God has an eternal plan for your very body. We forget that sometimes as Christians. He has an eternal plan for all of us, body, soul, and spirit. He has an eternal plan for your destiny. You won't always be weak. You won't always be dishonored. You won't always be corrupt. Through Christ, there's a resurrection. Through Christ, we will be resurrected. Sown in corruption, raised in incorruption. Sown in dishonor, raised in glory. Sown in weakness, raised in power. Sown a natural body, raised a spiritual body. This is our common future. And this is what we must focus on when we realize God's developing us. It's not always just about what's happening today. It's not even about what happens in this life. You know, He's developing our heart, our character. Um, He's making us more like Christ because when the resurrection comes, we'll be resurrected with Christ. And this really should be more of our focus. It's it's, it's part of Scripture, frankly, that we, we ignore or we don't even understand. But it's a powerful, powerful reminder. Over the holidays, I went to uh, a college football game in, in Charlotte, North Carolina. I was, I was in eastern Kentucky, and that was the closest bowl game for our schedule. And me and my two teenage sons, we like to go to a bowl game during uh, the holidays. So we went to see a couple of teams we didn't really even care about. We just wanted to enjoy the experience. And we were walking to the stadium when uh, one of my sons peered through uh, a fence. And in this fence... He saw that the Carolina Panthers were having football practice. Well, th- th- this, this was pretty exciting uh, because just a few feet away, as we looked through the fence, we could see all of these NFL players, and the, the guys were saying stuff like, there's Christian McCaffrey, there's Luke Keekley, there's Cam Newton. If you don't know these guys, they're really good football players. And so as, as I was evaluating the area, I could tell on the other end of the football field, um, probably where the team was going to exit. So I, I predicted this would happen, and so I, I encouraged the guys. I said, guys, why don't you go down to the other end of the field, and if you do, I think it's going to work out for you. Well, there, there was some resistance because they were enjoying what we could see. But Luke eventually, that's my oldest son, decided to do that, and he went ahead of us. And sure enough, just a few minutes later, the, the whole team uh, started walking by, and Luke got to meet his favorite football player, really one of my favorite football players, uh, Christian McCaffrey. And and you'll have to look sometime uh, at the picture on Luke's Instagram of him and Christian McCaffrey. 
that picture and, and really seeing that was a real coming-of-age moment for me because this NFL running back looked like he could be my son. That was really, really odd for me. But it was just a fun experience for us all. It reminds me of my second point. God sent me ahead to position me. God sent me ahead to position me. Think about this, that in that scenario, that story I just told you, that, you know, we, we I wasn't God, so I didn't know for sure this was going to happen, but I felt like if the guys went to the other side of the stadium, they would be in much better position, and it worked out that way. Our sovereign God sometimes sends us places and sends us to places that are non-preferred, places we didn't did not expect to be. And we have to trust that he's positioning us for something better. In the story I told you, I mean, we were thrilled with the first view, but the second experience was even better. This is something that we have to trust that even when times are, are very difficult, unexpected, that God is positioning ourselves. Let's go back to the scripture, Genesis chapter 45, starting with verse 7. God sent me ahead of you to establish you as a remnant within the land and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. Therefore, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh, Lord of his entire household, and ruler over all the land of Egypt. What an incredible story. And then what a great perspective. Joseph did not use this opportunity to get revenge on someone who had wronged him or a group of brothers who had wronged him. He had that heavenly perspective that God sent him ahead and positioned him. Our psalm for this week was Psalm 37. And I'm going to read Psalm chapter 37, verse 37, because it's such a significant verse in my life. It says it this way, Watch the blameless and observe the upright, for the person of peace will have a future. The person of peace will have a future. You know, in our world system, often that the more controversial we are, the more disruptive we are, the more we use power and authority to intimidate, that feels like the quickest pathway to recognition, success, promotion. But Psalm 37, verse 37, reminds us, the person of peace will have a future. Listen, you, when you bring peace to your family, bring peace to the workplace, bring peace to the school, sometimes you feel out of position. Maybe sometimes you feel like you're forgotten. Maybe sometimes you feel like you are in prison. But God is positioning you. Trust the scripture that says, that the person of peace will have a future. Well, guys, we're getting close to ending this message, but there's a really funny quote from satirist Jonathan Swift way back in 1738. He said he wrote this. He was a bold man that first ate an oyster. Again, he was a bold, bold man that first ate an oyster. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, who really did try to eat those slimy, tasteless uh, sea creatures, I guess. 
Um, thankfully, we have horseradish to accompany oysters now, but people have been enjoying oysters on the half shell ever since that first person tried it out. Um, this leads us to point number three. I was just kind of breaking up the seriousness of this sermon, but here's point number three and the last point. God sent me ahead to benefit the community. Go on, write it down, think about it. God sent me ahead to benefit the community. Verse 7, I just read it. God sent me ahead of you to establish you as a remnant. Now, a few chapters later, in, in one of the more famous scriptures in the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 50, verse 19 and 20, when Joseph was again revisiting his right for vengeance, his right to show revenge and to stay in unforgiveness. He said to his brothers in verse 19 of Genesis 50, Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You planned evil against me. God planned it for good to bring about the present result, the survival of many people. We live in a time, guys, where we hear a lot about our potential and if you're like me, I'm really ambitious. I, I want to keep growing as a leader and keep growing uh, in influence. And, and there's a lot of selfish ambition in me. Um, thankfully, God is sanctifying that and, and He's using that because the truth is this. God does want to advance us and grow us and bless us, but not really for us. It's for the remnant. It's for the family. It's for the community. It's so that other people can be blessed because really that's what life is about. Life is about relationships. And so I want you to think about this. God may have sent you ahead to a place you did not expect, you did not plan to be. It may not be a physical place. It may be a way of thinking. It may be breaking uh, social patterns in your family, social patterns in your community. And sometimes you are misunderstood. Sometimes you are forgotten. Sometimes you feel isolated. But trust in the slow work of God. Trust God in those hidden times. Because you may just be right where He intends you to be. And the rest of the family, the rest of the community, the rest of the congregation, the rest of the society is catching up with you. You're just that one step ahead. Keep seeking the presence of the Lord. He's the one that brought you to this place in the, in, in the first place. And so He's the one who will sustain you. I'm praying for you. I'm thankful that you took time to listen to this. I pray that you have a great week in the Lord. I love you. Jesus loves you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn His countenance and give you peace through Christ Jesus our Lord. God bless you.